armoured men stuck in the mud, besieged protesters holding out in tunnels while monstrous machines devour the very earth. This is the medieval hellscape that is Luxorad 2023. How did this happen? Where has the Green Party left its soul? What did the RWE Corporation whisper in Robert Harbeck's ear in a locked room many months ago? Megan and Conrad settle down with a mug of herbal and a miraculously fluffy chocolate cake while energy expert Izzy Choxy breaks it all down. More tea, Vicar! It's time for another Megan's Megacan. I'm here, as always, in Berlin with Ex-Berliner Magazine, with Conrad Werner. Hello, Conrad. Hello. And with friend of the podcast, Izzy Choksi. Hello, Izzy. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We're very excited to have you back. We're going to talk lots about Lützerath, which is... Anyway, we'll get to that. We don't have any... Mega cans this week. We're 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 having tea instead, <laughs> and also some cake, because well for various reasons. Izzy's pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm sort of trying to do not dry January, but damp, <laughs> damp January, which is a friendly a concept my friend introduced me to, where you don't completely give up alcohol, but try and rain it back from the edge of the abyss which was sort of the end of December (laughs) it was just a bit much yeah I'm trying to do that too yeah yeah it's quite good it's got healing I feel like it's quite nice having a hot mug of herbal tea in my hand it is I go wild for the herbal teas whenever I'm not drinking alcohol I'm very much on the other side of where you guys are I am desperate dying for mega mega. (laughs) not long now not long now there's that lovely feeling that washes over you when you get through halfway you're like I can't remember my name (laughs) Um, yeah this cake is insane oh, is it it is incredible too because megan mm. made a cake okay I made cake. so mm. amazing i can i can talk about the cake the way i usually talk about the megas yeah. i was at my friend carol's carol who's from alaska which is really cool and is also a teacher in berlin and she had her birthday and served this amazing cake and it's vegan and then what i love she was like i'll let you take a picture of the recipe and it was this like old kind of hand not hand printed but printed it by a school like her school's recipe thing like one of these ones where all the parents write in like and this was like her auntie's recipe or something and I just love it so yeah it is so good and it's so fluffy it's vegan so it's also incredibly healthy uh not really it's got loads of sugar in it It which is what you have to do I'm not one of these people that's we have to do you know it's nice to have vegan for various reasons but this is vegan I'm vegan I would never have guessed. Well, there you go. There you go. Isn't um, that the biggest compliment that you can make? Yeah. I think so. I mean, certainly with vegan cakes. Yeah. But also I think people give vegan cakes a little bit of a bad name because what they do is they go vegan and then they try and be healthy and they start saying things like, well, I just replaced the sugar with this thing from a thing and then I replaced the thing with no have no truck with that your vegan cake recipes need raging agent which is vinegar you need some soda in there usually some water oil and a shit ton of sugar mm-hmm. and then you're usually on the right place but what have you put instead of butter oil what kind of oil so cooking oil uh rapeseed oil oh. um or what's called canola oil in the That's states amazing. which is the same thing I it's think. got it's just the perfect texture yeah, of it's cake. good i'm really pleased with this yeah. and i'm 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 happy it worked out vegan cakes are also by the way incredibly easy to make you, you just... say that and no, everyone no, no. You follow the recipe when they're baking just follow no the recipe. i i don't just like but literally with this one i would start out with vegan cakes because the recipe is you just have to follow the recipe and often when I watch people who say they follow recipes and I watch them with my baker's eye and my teacher's eye, they don't, in fact, follow the recipe. So I don't know, Izzy, if I were to peek over your shoulder. But anyway, it's literally you put it all in a bowl and you stir it up and you stick it in the oven and then you do have to watch it a bit because the cooking time varies, but that's it. 
I'm pleased with this. I'm, this I'm is happy. absolutely delicious. Yeah. All right. All right. We can't just keep talking. Right. The part We're where I try and distract us and by I'm talking finished. about mega cans or food is over. And we must, in fact, talk about the news. Yeah, well, we want to talk. We're, this is going to be the Lutzerach special. Did I even introduce Izzy as anything no. other than... No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Friend <laughs> no. of the podcast, but also... <laughs> um, <laughs> a very important and impressive person in her own right, not connected to this podcast. <laughs> I'm the policy advisor for a German think tank and co-host of Radio Spätkauf. Mm-hmm. One of the other German news or Berlin news. Well, no, I was very excited because Izzy got in touch after mm. the last podcast, which was only a few days ago. We usually don't do the podcast so quickly, but... Um, well, this is just th- us being sober, you see. This is us being sober Forgotten. and organised. And also, because the news is happening right now, I thought it would be good to get this out and to talk about it. Yeah. Um, because I think it's a very important issue and thing that is happening. Yeah, so the, you might have noticed, if you've looked at any news, and it's been like an international story, mm. with uh, Lutzerat, uh, which is a town in western Germany, in North Rhine-Westphalia. Tiny little village. Tiny little village. Is, um, what is the, or was the population? Does anyone know? Uh, I think it was about 300. Okay. And they all left before 2020. And it's been occupied by climate protesters yeah. in the years since. We're talking ah. about like about a dozen buildings right now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Like it's about 12, 12 buildings, something like that. It is very close to an, an open cast mine full of lignite, uh, the Gartsweiler mine. And uh, it's been part of the plans... Germany has been to keep mining there and so I was wondering but last October the German government with along with the North Rhine-Westphalian government along with Rewe RWE not the supermarket RWE the energy giant made a deal. Sometimes I do go into Rewe and like oh my god I fucking hate you guys and then I'm like oh you're not RWE (laughs) you're just Rewe. Yeah they made a deal October which said that they would be allowed to tear down this last remaining village so they've already torn down several villages in that region to um, get more lignite out of the ground lignite is the the brown also called brown coal it's a really bad one it's not even like the worst one it's sort of the most inefficient coal so you have to burn more of it to get the same amount of energy as like and it's got all the crap inside as well yeah and then there and uh, so there have been protests going on over there about what they were going to do and maybe you could just explain what exactly was this deal that was made okay so um i think we should like first start by going back to the election of mona neubauer and heinrich wust which is so the prime minister of of nrw and uh mona neubauer is the energy minister so So last year there was a huge uh local election state level election in nrw Mm -hmm. that elected this new government that's the cdu and the greens and this was just at the beginning of the summer that they got elected and came out with their coalition vertrag. Mm-hmm. I think you guys covered like all of those state elections, so just go back to that podcast episode. I don't remember, and I was there, so <laughs> don't. Thanks for the recap. But yeah, so this was there was quite a lot of hope because the Greens campaigned on earlier phase out date, and which was very quickly accepted by the CDU as well. So the earlier phase out date of 2030. Mm-hmm. And they also campaigned on Paris targets as well of 1.5 degrees. Mm-hmm. And they also campaigned on a message of save the villages. So save the villages, plural, because there were six villages that were going to be destroyed by RWE. Lutzerat is one of these six. And essentially what happened is that Lutzerat was always kind of a bit of an outlier. There was, there's been sort of legal cases that got concluded back in February when the last resident or the last landowner a guy called Herr Eckert he well he lost his final case and he basically said well I'm this this is the end of the road for me the climate movement needs to take take my place basically because I can't I can't fight anymore he'd been fighting them for decades so he lost his case and in March a court basically said that RWE would be able to to destroy this land so they had no more land disputes which is not the case for the other five villages so Lutzerat was kind of like the, the path was clear for RWE to um, to destroy it. 
However, there are obviously still political considerations, right? Like a state government is not powerless to stop these kind of things from happening. They can do deals with companies, they can stop companies, they can also say this is not in the best interests of a population and essentially like make it come to yeah. a stop. Can I ask like potentially like a very stupid question, but like how does it even come to this that like I can understand a company coming in and saying we've bought all this land and we're offering to buy people out of their homes Eckhart okay we're going to give you whatever it is the market value or above market value of your home but if they don't want to move like how does it how does that work yeah that's a really good question like forced sale I mean so you're not like expropriation <laughs> I don't know like I, that's actually that to like me a just really seems demented yeah. and this whole idea and even if you're kind of that's kind of one of the, the, the central sort of tenets of, of capitalism and the right to own your own home so that no one can kind of, you know, you've earned that and you've made that unless, I don't, I don't get it. I think RWE are arguing that uh, Germany needs this energy and yeah. it is for in the good of the German population that they dig up this, uh, this last remaining coal. And also the deal was that in exchange for being able to dig up this coal, they would bring forward the, this, the, 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 the ultimate phase out. So that is like the, the payoff, right? That instead of it being 2038, it'll be 2030, which is also a Green Party aim. Mm-hmm. And, and not- so they said, oh. like, we'll, if, we, if you let us dig out this coal, when, uh, then we will promise to stop digging all coal by 2030 instead of 2038. That was the deal. Mm-hmm. Why were I'm they allowed to make that? I'm not going to stake my life fucking savings on that happening. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So um, another thing to bring into this before we kind of get into why was this deal made or how did it come to this is that, you know, as everyone knows, Russia invaded Ukraine in February of last year. And that led to an extraordinarily dependent country like Germany to start making all of these pretty terrible decisions for the climate but decisions that were arguably necessary for economic stability but at the same time they definitely didn't do enough with energy savings and energy efficiency um which they could have done a lot more to to actually like bring down the amount of gas that we were using but one of the ways that they did that to bring down the gas was to use coal power stations um, to turn them back on. And RWE got two coal power stations uh, turned back on that were um, either sunsetting at the end of um, 2022 or had already sunsetted at the end of 2021. And what this meant was their capacity, their ability to burn more coal suddenly went up and they have been using it ever since they were allowed to, since the beginning of August. They have another two years to do this, to burn more coal than they originally would have been able to burn under the original 2038 plan if Russia had never invaded Ukraine. So what we're seeing with Lutzegrad is the kind of the business as usual plan of RWE up until 2030 also includes two power plants that are going to be online for two years more than what they Mm. would have gone online or or what they would have had before the the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Which basically means, if you kind of do the emissions math, is that they took coal burning that would have happened from 2030 onwards until 2038 and they moved it to this decade now there's a couple of things to point out here that coal in the 2030s would most likely have been very unprofitable lignite is due to become pretty unprofitable from 2038 2028 onwards yeah the other thing to point out is that with ETS certificates, so energy trading system certificates, it probably also would have become, you know, extremely expensive. And the country would have sort of said, why are we doing this? Are we subsidizing the cost of this energy and mm-hmm. probably brought it to an end anyway? So what they have managed to do, and this is why RWE is singing to the cash point. Yeah. Is they've managed to take unprofitable coal from the 2030s and move it into the 2020s. Now, the federal government knew that this was the case back in July, and we know that because their uh, legislation um, that allowed these coal plants to come back online admitted that this would mean more emissions in the near term would be created, and they would need to do something about that. The federal government left a line or put a line in that legislation to extend the life of, of retired coal plants 
they put a line in that basically said one of the ways in which we could prevent or, or we could prevent these emissions from accumulating into being more by 2030 is we can save Lutzgat. We don't need to destroy Lutzgat. And thus we would be able to renege or, or bring those emissions down. Because we're talking like about... Like it would cancel it, it would it balance would it out. It would cancel, balance it Okay. Out. So we're talking about 280 million tonnes of carbon. It's about 170 million tonnes of coal that's under Lutzgat. It's it's a it's one of those sort of you know you've got coal tends to be when you're doing lignite mining tends to be in like these um these lines under the earth yeah and it's an especially thick one it's a big fat whopper um so we've got about 170 million tons of coal under there uh, another technical question why do they have to do an open cast mine because that looks it looks like a like the, the moon the surface of the moon mm-hmm. it's like it destroys the landscape when you do this isn't it you, you kind of eat up you, they have to use these giant in, in colossal machines it looks like something out of a science fiction film yeah. where they just chew up the earth why do they have to do it like that why can't they do it like with the you know like just a tunnel well it's close to the earth so when you have coal that's close to the earth often or even oil that's close to the earth like the tar sands so the tar sands in canada also have a a similar situation where they're close to the surface of the earth and therefore they just um yeah they scrape off the top of the of the earth's surface and they get the the raw materials that are underneath it and that's the same with is that what's referred to as like the mining. oil fields or is the that oil fields yeah. yeah okay the tar sands or the oil fields i mean they're so big you can see them from from space yeah it's 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 like a scar mm. on the earth and and Gartsweiler and you can see them actually if you go on the train to if you go on the train to Brussels, mm-hmm. from Cologne to Brussels, you will pass by Gartsweiler 2 and you'll also pass by a number of other open cast mines in the Ruhr region. And they are, they're huge. They are absolutely massive. And if you go on the motorway as well, you'll mm-hmm. also see see a few of them. Like there's, they are these massive scars on the landscape. And that actually brings me on to most likely the situation here okay so why did this deal happen why was lwe so adamant about destroying lutzgat partly because of the profit thing Mm. they can't believe their luck they've managed to move burning coal burning from one decade of unprofitability to another decade of mega mega bucks but the other reason is because when you have an open cast mine and you recultivate it after it's been finished, there is some, you know, basic stuff that you have to do for recultivation. It's not as good as it should be. We need way better laws on recultivation, mm-hmm. way better. And also way more stringent controls on how companies actually recultivate that land. Mm. And we should refuse to pay for that as well because they've gotten all these profits yeah. from destroying it. They should have to pay to recultivate it. And they do to some extent, but they try to find the cheapest possible way of recultivation. And this is essentially another reason that is thought to be the main reason why RWE wants to destroy Lutzgat. Because they need something that comes out of that mining process that is called overburden. Overburden is basically all the crap that you get as well as the coal. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. the stones and the mud and the you know yeah. excess carbon that's sort of chopped up in these buggers. That's the stuff that they need to fill in one particular massive hole in Gartsweiler 2. There's, there's for some reason, like if you just put water in it, it would immediately acidify mm. and infect the groundwater around it. So they can't just put water in, they can't just flood it. They need to fill the hole. So um, they're digging another hole to fill the other hole? Yeah. Oh dear Jesus Christ. So they need Lutzerad in order to fill that hole. <laughs> and if they don't have Lutzerat, their argument is, well, then we'd have to, you know, destroy somewhere else. Or they we're gonna, would... We need a hole. Is it, <laughs> If we don't take it from here, it's go, we're going to dig up anyone's It'll life. It'll be your house next. It'll you be, know, I'll, we'll dig this hole. The hole is coming <laughs> one way or the other. Is it a good time to also remind everyone about, you know, but wind turbines are also ugly. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, can I... So... The man who made this deal, I mean, one of the important men. Really missing the booze. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's like an alarming clarity of T's, T's just not doing it. Oh. Is it? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? It's oh, awful. Fuck. It's so, so sober. Anyway, right. Um, it won't have escaped a lot of voters' attention that that the Green Party is in power both in Germany and in North Rhine-Westphalia, mm. and the our climate minister. 
is Robert Harbeck and economy minister and he has been defending this deal that he made in October and saying things like it is an agreement that serves climate protection creates legal certainty and puts into place the binding nature that has always been demanded including by the climate protection movement that no more coal will be used to generate electricity in the Rhenish mining area from 2030 and he says that Lutzerat he says it's good that climate movements have symbols but he says Lutzerat is the wrong symbol because uh, no one lives there anymore anyway and yes but they didn't just go somewhere else. Yeah, they're not. They're not somewhere else. They don't live there because fucking RVA made it impossible, and they had to go to court. Oh, Robert. Well, well, they also. There's also nothing. The the climate movement's not interested in Lutterat. Okay, it sees it as what it is, which is basically like a a large hof, a large farm, and some other buildings that are close by as well. Like it's not. It's not about the village obviously Robert it's about (laughs) the emissions obviously Mr. Harbert did you want to finish well no that's good I was talking I was talking to (laughs) Harbert and uh, the other thing is that he pointed out is that this is better than the European Union emissions trading system which is what is in place and he says for me this is too uncertain, but with with this deal that we have with RWE, we have more legal clarity. So we know that by 2030 there will be no more um, emissions. And and the argument as well, I've I read somewhere was that by making doing these emissions, they are not um, increasing the overall emissions in the whole of the EU because part of the EU trading thing, you know, like there has to be less emissions somewhere else in Europe because of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a mess. It's a jumbled hunk of mess. And ultimately, like, I think climate policy is so fragmented and so confusing that, you know, if you believe that, it's very easy to fall into these kind of traps. And actually, Harbeck has, has admitted before that he's gotten very complicated things wrong, like with the gas price bremse, for instance, you know, um, And I think, okay, so he's talking about like three things all at once and it's really important to distinguish them and say that nothing's going to work on its own. He's right, right? The emissions trading system is not going to work on its own. But um, I love the fact that he says in that quote that he doesn't have faith that the emissions trading system is going to lead to a coal phase out in this country. So we need something else. We need an extra law. But then he says within when it comes to emissions, on the other hand, these emissions are going to be absolutely fine because the emissions trading system is going to sort it out. So yeah, well, to be fair, that's probably me who mixed those things up because I was just but that's the, various it's, it's not it's not just you it, that's what um so that's the excuse that rwe uses rwe says the emissions trading system's out there for a reason it's there to sort out this emissions problem and just because we're going to make a stunning amount of profit on burning coal in this decade um other people are gonna have to you know suck up the cost of emissions trading certificates and they're not going to want to suck up that cost and so they're automatically going to become green so that's kind of the logic here and to be honest I'm not an expert on emissions trading system but I asked a colleague of mine and the way he put it was this is the kind of narrative that has been debunked there isn't a bath full of emissions where if you just let out the tap in one place it lowers it and if you put the tap on in another place it highs it up like it's it's that's not the way things work and these systems are much much more complicated so it's not there is absolutely no guarantee that these emissions will be saved somewhere else and if they are going to be saved somewhere else then the government should at least give us an idea about where in july they said we won't destroy Lutzegrat. That was their advice to NRW, was we need to find these emissions somewhere. Not destroying Lutzegrat would be a good way to do that because it would save so much carbon. They've gone back on that. Are they expecting the construction industry to save those emissions? Are they expecting, I mean, Harbeck's going after the transport ministry just like every other green. They love to hold up Vissing, you know, the transport secretary as being this terrible transport minister who's not doing anything on emissions reductions but you've just added 280 million tons of carbon to our budget that who's going to bring that down so it's it's this question of like 
yes, you can hold up the transport ministry and say they need to do more. They already have an excess carbon budget of 134 million to bring down by 2030. Are we going to make that 300 and something million? You know, this is it's just a crazy conversation. Like if if we're honest about why RWE is burning the coal under Lutzkart, they're doing it to move the profits or to move that coal from the 2030s to the 2020s. That's the reason they're doing it. They're doing it because it's a cheaper way to fill in that hole. And they're doing it because they want to make as much profit as possible. They're set to make billions, multiple billions of profit on Lutzkart. Of course they have a stake in the game. This deal was made with the Greens in a closed door meeting that has no transparency whatsoever in October. It wasn't the Coal Commission. The Coal Commission, at least, though it was flawed, was transparent. We knew what happened. We knew the discussions around that. We know what essentially led that Coal Commission to make the decision of a 2038 phase out. The climate movement said that's way too late. It's not a good compromise. But ultimately, that was a transparent process. This process was a closed door deal with RWE. And the fact that Robert Harbeck has gone from his July position of don't bugger Lutzrad in order to save the emissions that we're going to have to use for the energy crisis, you know, that we're going to have to make because of the energy crisis, to now saying, oh, actually, we need those emissions as well for the energy crisis, which is not true. It just feels like something happened in that room that we don't know where, who knows, threats could have been made, Promises of donations could have been made. Promises of investment in hydrogen could have been made. Who knows what was said by RWE, but RWE managed to convince two very prominent green politicians of something that is completely against both of their previous campaign stances yeah. and also both of their previous intellectual positions. And who, who, um, was, like, in, who was in the room? Uh, so the energy minister and her team, Robert Harbeck and his team, and RWE. Okay, just those three. That's Mona Neubauer. Mona Neubauer. She's from North Rhine Westphalia. Yeah, Yeah, and of course, it definitely serves the purpose of the SPD to be shoving Harbeck in front of all of these decisions. And also, it serves the purpose of the CDU to also very much distance itself from this in NRW as well. And the police action has been coordinated as well by a Green in uh, the head of the Aachen police is is a Green as well so you have all of these green characters basically like firstly uh, making terrible deals with um the historically largest emitter in history guys that's rwe historically the largest emitter in history wow. and that the owns the most polluting uh, coal plants in the whole of the eu like this is the deal that they made and then on the other hand you've got um their police chief who's fighting against the climate movement and from from what we hear using brutal and uncontrolled tactics mm. against against climate protesters yeah what do we know i mean i've only i've only seen some like videos on twitter of um policemen getting stuck in the mud and uh, a man dressed as a monk pushing them over that was pretty funny yeah. what else <laughs> have you seen that Oh. No, I haven't. I think someone sent it to me and I haven't watched it yet. There was like a group of like half a dozen um, policemen all stuck in the mud and because they, they've got all those heavy gear on, they just can't move and all these climate protesters standing around them Oops. looking oh. at them. And then this monk comes over and this one policeman is trying to stand up and he keeps pushing him over. It's quite funny. Anyway, but on a more serious note, what do we know that has been happening? Because, I mean, it's not true that the, 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 the German police doesn't always have a, a great reputation in these situations. I mean, I remember 2017 in Hamburg, mm-hmm. where uh, Olaf Scholz was the mayor, was uh, when uh, they there was the, I think it was the G7 uh, uh, meeting and there was a lot of them. they basically had to clear the streets of Hamburg and Hamburg's kind of a, a, a left-wing um, hotspot as well so they kind of cleared away these streets with riot police so it's it's, it's not like the German police has got a, a great reputation with dealing with crowds um, but what do we actually know that happened? Um, so you've got it in two phases really so the first phase I would say was last week and last week was getting protesters out of Lutzrad. And press people were really, fi- found it very difficult to actually get into Lutzrad itself. Mm. So it's hard 
to know for sure, but we know, for instance, that protesters were being sort of manhandled out of their positions inside of houses and out of their positions inside of tree houses as well. So they've kind of been squatting this little village since 2020. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's sort of like a hardcore number of people, about 200 or so, who have been squatting for a longer amount of time. But -hmm. then by the beginning of January, we had around 500 people there. So the idea was, let's make this as hard as possible so it takes Mm -hmm. as long as possible. And it's it's the tactic is sort of utilizing this idea of like keep in the press as long as possible, yeah. you know, really drag politicians' names through the mud so they are thinking, okay, like this is the only power that people have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, RWE had that power in that room yeah. to sway two people who know a lot about the climate crisis. These yeah. are people who are not. CDU politicians who want to ignore that the climate crisis exists. They are people who really care about the climate crisis, I think, I think. Yeah. Uh, If we haven't got them totally wrong. And RWE, with its power and whatever it promised or whatever threats it made, managed to sway two incredibly passionate politicians who want to save the climate. What power do people have, you know, in rebuttal when you've lost all your court cases and the court has not and the law has essentially not managed to to come up for you Mm -hmm. apart from the fact that we have a climate protection law which this will completely destroy um what what can you actually do what is the recourse and protest and occupation is a recourse it's a form of recourse and it should be in a democracy very much protected as a right for people who aren't gonna succeed in going through the law or don't have the same kind of power as a company like RWE. So they went in there, so this is the first stage, and the police were far more successful and achieved their aim of basically uh, evacuating uh, Lutzerat through force very quickly, much, much, much faster than people thought. People thought it was gonna go on for weeks. Mm. And the hope was that these protesters would be able to stay inside long enough for the uh, the demonstration that was organised for the 14th of January, mm-hmm. it was going to attract thousands of people, for those people to then come and sort of like add reinforcements and like try to get more people into the village and try to sort of like, you know, obviously bring the press attention and, um, you know, get the get the press there and make sure that, you know, these mm-hmm. people in occupied houses were getting interviewed and kind of like they did with Hamby Forest, with Hambach yeah. Forest which ultimately worked, right? But I think Hambach Forest, now we probably see it as having worked because of the architecture of the tree houses. They were just much harder to evict and much, that's much more really difficult. interesting. I mean, that's a good... Do you want to do, we do a little recap of what happened at Hambach Forest? So do we want to do I that? don't know if I... <laughs> so it was also, it's also in this region. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the other side of the mine. Yeah, um, and also, there's a bit of woodland. and. They, they took them, uh, and eventually the protesters won in court, I believe. They actually saved quite a lot of the forest. Mm. The 10% that was still remaining, they managed to save. Yeah. The um, 10% of ancient woodland. And this is not just like, was, this is like one of these pri- primal... It's a primal forest, yeah. Primal forest, which is like... <sighs> it's like... I said this before we started recording. All of this sounds like it is coming. This is like Lord of the Rings other century stuff like fucking Sauron building these fiery mines in the pits of it I just I don't I don't get it and like oh we're gonna cut down all these trees and I think yeah what are we supposed to do and again we come back to this thing of like who are the police supposed to be serving and protecting and I think it's made very very clear that it's usually huge you know corporations or people who own loads of apartments and want to evict people or I don't know yeah I guess in this coming back to your earlier question I didn't really answer very well and I don't think I would be able to answer it it's like whose private property are you protecting are you protecting the private property of Herr Eckhard who has been forced to leave after years and years of fighting to keep his farm the good capitalist game of being a land owner and having a farm you know that's not he's he's not a squatter and he's still so then and he said literally now the climate movement have to take over and it's yeah it's so weird who's, yeah, I'm so assuming that Habeck is in this position because I think about him 
quite often. After our conversation about him being this kind of like 90s crumpled rom-com lead, now I'm just like, <laughs> he is not Mr. Darcy, friends. He is Wickham. He is Wickhaming <laughs> all over the show. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh... Like who's Lydia? Who's stupid enough to go along with his stupid Well, plans? I don't know. Maybe this woman I in. Mona Neubauer. <laughs> exactly. Mona Neubauer. Um, so oh. I, I'm assuming that he's thinking a lot about his... And I think this is the problem with politicians. And this is why the whole... I just... Because people who go into politics, yes, they want to do good things. But they're also people who want to go into politics. Mm. Like... <laughs> I don't know, like... Power, ultimately. Any sound yeah. people who are just, like... I think it is a power thing. I think it's a lot to do with not really having found your place. You're seeking a lot of external validation somehow. I don't know, in certain things. And I would imagine you don't want to be the en- energy minister if the lights go out and the heat goes off in Germany because mm-hmm. that's disastrous and you're never coming back from that and you're young and you look like a rom-com. So, you know, you want to have your career. and But Robert... If you're listening, at some point, this is a long game thing here. Mm. You can't just keep going into closed rooms and making deals with the devil. Like, you can't... I think he thinks he is playing the long game. Firstly, I think he's well, definitely he's drunk. Very fucking stupid. <laughs> well, I think he thinks of, just like many people, young people oh. don't vote in the same numbers as older people. Mm-hmm. Older people, by and large if they're on the climate or if they kind of care about green issues, if they're a bit older, they really gave a shit about nuclear. Do you know, that's yeah. where their generation was. It's like, fight nuclear, you know, let's get rid of nuclear. And are they as engaged with climate? I'm not sure. It's definitely a youth powered movement within this mm. country. It's It has a lot of older members and it has a lot of people who are very, very engaged with it. And also mass support as well. Well over 70% of the population of Germany want something to be done about climate protection. Yeah. Um, but is it a mobilizing force within the older generation of the Green Party as much as say nuclear was? I don't think so. Mm. I think that the the game that he is playing is I'm looking at, you know, if I'm Harbeck, I'm looking at 2025 and I'm thinking, I want to be where Schultz is. And well, I, that's don't, what I think I that's the game he's playing, there. but I'm talking if you want to be like a passionate green politician and you really believe in this, like it's someday you're going to be dying on your deathbed and you have to look back and like, I don't know, I guess I'm asking him to put his ideals ahead of his own political career but i i don't know why i think that that is anything that anyone would but i it's it's who do you think's gonna get you there are a bunch of teenagers gonna get you there you know but even like surely are your ideals ultimately just more important than and it sounds like this is not as if you're sort of saying yes the ideological thing to do is this but the pragmatic thing to do is this like there doesn't seem to be this all seems to be very wishful thinking and not pregnant. It's like this idea of like, well, first of all, we'll make up the emissions elsewhere, which even if we do, do we know scientifically that the the emissions from a fucking massive lignite mine that's going to scar the landscape can be made up because somebody else is going to switch on some wind turbines somewhere else in the EU? Like, does that work with science? I don't know. And (laughs) secondly... But, okay. This is funny because we, last week we had uh, Nathaniel on. Yeah, and he said this is why he doesn't vote because he thinks that these 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 movements are more powerful when they're in opposition. <sighs> yeah, and maybe. A, and, and yeah, when they get into power, um, they 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 inevitably cause more damage. <laughs> yeah, it's that. interesting. Think if we were having this energy crisis and it was a but, CDU, anyway. like if the Greens were in opposition, like would they be in a different position? now and able to garner everyone's kind of increasing like you're saying over 70% of people in Germany and I think it is like it's so much a conversation on everyone's minds Mm -hmm. like would the Greens where they were in opposition be actually building up to really like a more positive result in 20 when's the next general election? 2025 I don't fucking know I'd like to ask a totally different question Mm. Um, energy security so another argument is all about you know Russia everything we can't we haven't got enough energy people were worried about the the gas supplies weren't going to be full this winter and uh, (laughs) and 
so RWE were arguing this is why this cold is so important. And it's I for think, the people. And, and uh, <laughs> Robert Harbeck has has made a lot of you know a lot he, a lot of his political capital has been in the fact that he's secured these deals to to secure and he's he's organised the, the the gas supplies and they're now full. Um, but I read that there were a couple of reports somehow saying that maybe this coal isn't as necessary as it might appear. Is that true? 100%. Um, So we have three independent studies versus one RWE study. (laughs) Who do you believe? (laughs) Um, So we've got three independent reports that basically tell us... um, the the numbers and so here here are the numbers so I don't do, want to hear the numbers do, do the sober numbers the sober um, sober time of <sighs> <sighs> so uh, the Deutsche Institute for Wirtschaft the DIW that is very much sort of like on on TV a lot through Claudia Comfort um, who you will see a lot as sort of the person to talk about energy transition yeah. a lot of the time she's dragged onto a lot of these TV shows so they did a report. Um, that basically laid out that there are around 301 million tons of coal that will be dug up in the existing approved areas of Garzweiler 2 and Hambach mines um, before 2030. If the coal plants, the the lignite coal plants that RWE has on until 2030 are at full capacity running until 2030 they will need around 271 million tons of lignite coal to run at full capacity that's 30 less than they will have with the existing approved areas so that's that's from that study so basically it says you've already got 300 and something million tons coming in the pipeline you only need 271 and that's at full capacity and that's really optimistic figures for a coal plant that often runs at 50 percent capacity so there is no reason for you to dig up 170 million extra tons of coal right so that's one argument rwe claims that if they're running at full capacity they they are missing 17 million tons so 17 million tons by 2030 that they're missing. So they need more. It's going to have to come from somewhere. And it doesn't... It, their argument with Lutzegaard is it doesn't really make sense just to dig up like 17 million tons. You 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 bulldoze an area. Because, I mean, you see these excavators, they're absolutely gargantuan, right? They're not precise. It's not like they cut a slice of a small cake. They destroy entire villages. Yeah, yeah. They just, they've destroyed an entire region, right? They are huge. And you need, it's not precise enough just to sort of take 17 million. You're going to take all of it and you're going to burn all of it. And if you don't burn it, you're going to sell it to someone and they're going to burn it. So that's, I mean, the energy security thing is, yeah, 17 million tons of lignite coal. I'm sure we could live without it. I'm sure we could live without that. So that's their yeah. argument. And so when Robert Harbeck says energy security, no. he firstly, he's taking the line of RWE and he's ignoring the independent studies done by three different independent analysis and what has happened in this room you've painted a very vivid picture and i am just like what is going presumably he's aware of these studies like a fucking i'm aware of it and i don't know shit about fuck that is like he wanted a 2030 figure right he said in his so he thinks he's going to be the guy that negotiated is this what he thinks he's going to be the champion that got avi to finally stop emitting that's what he hoped but Lutzerat and the press coverage it's got on an international level has destroyed that. And now he's talking in these extraordinarily, I mean, like I saw him on uh, like an interview the other day and he used this ridiculous language. I mean, he's taken Shakespearean to another level. He said, it's a sin. It's a sin for us to be bulldozing Lutzerat, but it's the last, it's the final sin. And it's what? like, fuck's sake. What? How many sins are you going to commit? You're already committing also, a sin. These lads like- have no intention. If they have enough coal to burn at full capacity, even if they're not doing it, these lads, these RVA ones, they're not going to stick to this 2030 because we've never stuck to anything. <laughs> we've never held, there is no precedent for anyone ever sticking to a fucking climate agreement. And these guys apparently have everyone in their back pocket. So even if you 
finally have a green energy minister in Germany in the face of finally enormous public support for climate measures. Mm. And he still is like, oh yeah, get the really bad stuff out of the ground and we'll arrest Greta Thunberg while we're at it. Fine, have at it, lads. There's no fucking way these cunts think that they are stopping everything in 2030. Are we insane? I actually, I, I do disagree. I think, okay, you know, good. Just, Thank I mean, Lord. Look, at, look, at, <laughs> look at the nuclear power stations, right? They said, okay. we're going to phase these out by the end of 2022. And you know what? They didn't do it. <laughs> They're going to be phased out by April. Um, but that was really, really important to all the old fogies who, you know, they were like really, really involved hate. in that. They it's really a lot of this like boomer energy. I don't know. It's like, I don't really get it. I think because I'm, I came into the climate world, you know, well after that debate was finished and wrapped up in a bow and chucked out the window. Like I just never yeah. really concerned myself with why people hate nuclear so much. It's because they've had Die Wolke. Have you read Die Wolke? Do you know no, what that is? but I feel like it's the equivalent of Ministry of the Future of the 1970s. No, I had to read it at A-level German. Um, it, it's a book from the 80s, um, and it's like a kind of a young adult kind of book, and it's about a nuclear disaster happening in Germany. Oh. And uh, this sort of, and die Wolke is the cloud, the cloud that's spreading over Germany. And uh, it does, as a, if you're young in the 80s, you... Uh, um, ah. That did strike fear into your heart, and it was also, I think, it was also uh, in Chernobyl, and I think that kind of generation. Uh, I think that that there was a, there is a real fear of nuclear fallout, and nuclear. Um, I mean, it is bad. I mean, it's dangerous, but um, yeah, there is. I think there was a generational thing. But it doesn't and happen. That, yeah. And that book was. Uh, I had it's to not going to kill us all. Though, <laughs> I mean, like, if they all went off at the same time, then we'd be fucked. Yeah. But like. <laughs> I mean, it's not like climate crisis, is it? <laughs> Do you think, I was also thinking like this new, our generation of sort of climate awareness is just like, okay, but imagine like nuclear disaster, but just like in most places, like those kind of effects <laughs> are just like everywhere. We're like, okay. And it does just seem like this odd to be really, and I, I'm not saying that obviously like they're huge disasters and it's incredibly dangerous and et cetera, but it also almost seems like this luxury thing to be able to really care about <laughs> nuclear because of you know i i don't know i feel like i'm like theoretically like against nuclear because yeah, i'm like super pro solar and wind i'm like guys that's, that's obviously what? the option it's so we've fucking cheap solved it it's we've not solved- like we're all sitting around going yeah. what could we possibly do <laughs> we fucking know <laughs> yeah like, this is the yeah. completely demented thing but i i don't know hopefully right i'm excited so you're saying six years Seven, babe. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, they won't they won't have those coal plants anymore. They're gonna trust me, they will be off, but they will have burnt all of the coal that they were gonna burn until twenty thirty eight. They will have just burnt it fucking quicker. You want us to do it by twenty twenty thirty? Twenty thirty eight, twenty thirty. We've got this amount of money to make. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it now, we're gonna make it then. They they will have made more. Because yeah. it would have been unprofitable by the 2030s. So they would, they're going to make more money on the same fucking emissions. Uh, I mean, that's uh, I mean that's the thing about this deal is it's just, it, it blows your mind. And we are basing this on like, so I'm basing this on a, a study that was done by Aurora um, in October or in November, just after the deal, which basically said that no emissions would be saved by this deal because of the coal plants that were being kept online for an extra period of time. So yeah. You can say, okay. you can put 2030 on your election poster in 2025, Robbie. You can do that. That's fine. But the climate movement has access to the internet. They have access to knowledge that maybe the devolker generation <laughs> didn't have access to. You know, exactly. they, they, they kind of know their shit and they don't care about a date in time. They care about emissions. They care it about climate. It is very patronising, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, but 2030. 2030, like, baby. Yeah, but what's 2030 going to look like if we've just dug up all the villages and burned all of the stuff? <laughs> that wasn't... It's not like when you misunderstand it, it's just like, <laughs> we've got to get it all done but it's not a deadline like where we have to burn all of the like <laughs> fossil fuels do it now that's not the game we're playing it's like my friend who said to me once was like misunderstanding these things like um, oh. what is what is Aurora you just mentioned Aurora 
Aurora is a yeah, it's an independent like think tank and okay. they did this study for EBC, so Europe Beyond Coal right. campaign. Um, right. You can find it online. Yes. Oh. It's in German and it's extremely complicated. To be honest, I had to read it like three times to understand the first oh. couple of paragraphs. Thank Not just because it. it's in you German. It. But, <laughs> but yeah, but it's my job. I don't really <laughs> force anyone to do that, really. <laughs> you read it, so we all don't have to. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anything else on your notes there? Um, or did we ask everything? Have my little notes. I think we've I think we've covered a lot of it. I mean, we didn't go too much into depth about the protests themselves. None of us were there. No. But I think ultimately we do have a lot of sympathy with the protesters. And I have a huge amount of respect for the people who turned up on the 14th and a massive amount of respect for the people who uh, occupied and attempted to stop this travesty from going ahead. And got quite badly injured in the process, apparently. People who got badly injured, it's absolutely criminal. I think that there I think there will be an inquiry. I think it's gonna take years. I think some of the police officers will be given, you know, not a slap on the wrist and that'll be a new story in of itself. But I think it's it's it just goes to show, you know, who's on whose side here. And yeah. I think it's I think it's horrific because I think a world where young people feel they can't vote for the Green Party mm-hmm. is I it's not a world I wanna live in. I'm yeah. really scared of that world because who the fuck do they vote for? Yeah. And that's really scary. And if they don't turn up to polls, we are all completely screwed because the Volker generation, they ain't going to do nothing for us. No. And on that note, Have, any positives? <laughs> Anything to look forward to? I mean, last time we were talking about how, how super sexy Harbeck was, but now no. we're like I mean, a fall of some kind of nonsense man is always kind of good to good to watch. All these crumpled nonsense. It's not Oh, um, even that's been taken away from us. It's just, it's just, it's not even anything good. It's not hiding behind the side. It's just all crumpled and a bit dirty, dirty, and not in the good way. Um, we've got an episode of Radio Break Calf coming up Woo! on Sunday evening. Ah, yeah. At nineteen hundred at Karshk, which is a brewery where I'll have to find the one non-alcoholic beverage to drink. Um, I quite like a non-alcoholic beer. But they're yeah. all right. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not bad. Um, so yeah, if you want to come along to that, we're going to be doing a live recording there. And yeah. where is it? Um, Karsk is right next to Rosa Luxemburgstrasse, oh, Ubad okay. station. Mm. And I'm also doing a social movements tour. One of my social movements tour that I do um, every couple of months. It's a tour that takes us through the history of social movements in Germany over a 70 year period from 1848 until 1919. So it's kind of bookended Mm -hmm. by two revolutions and uh, goes from the story of Karl Marx to the story of Rosa Luxemburg and talks about social movements that happened here in the city of Berlin. So I'll be doing that on the 4th of February. And if you want to come to that, it's at 2 p.m. or it starts at 2 p.m. at the Martin Luther statue in Alexander, or next to Alexanderplatz. Oh, wow. In front cool. of the Marine oh, Kirche. I oh, think yeah. I'm out of the country, but I, I really want to come on one of your tours. Really muchly. They're really fun. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Do we need to talk about what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the best thing that's happened. Let's finish on some good news. Oh, yeah. So thanks very much to our listener, Jan, who sent us a... A, a box of goodies. It's the most amazing thing that I have. I'm so touched by this, Jan. Thank you so much. It's lovely. He sent us some uh, Japanese mega cans. I'm in equal parts excited and terrified to try them. <laughs> and we will. We keep talking about doing like a. We're going to do a mega can only special where yes. we only talk about mega cans. Yeah. It's going to be for our patrons. Like, yeah. Exactly. Um. <laughs> Go to Megan's Mega Can. Uh, no, Patreon.com. I keep getting it wrong. We don't have a website. We don't have a website. Patreon.com forward slash Megan's Mega Can. Yeah. And you can give us some money. Okay. And thank you very, 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 very much to Izzy. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Izzy. <laughs> Take care. And uh, uh, see you next time. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Stay Bye. safe.